0: Alright, we're in gossip. Let me give you the the working definition we have for gossip, alright? Here's the working definition. You're going to have to put it on the screen because I don't know it. Very good. Sinful gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Been a while since we talked about this. We've got, I don't know, three more messages I think in this series. So I want to say that out loud together. Ready? Go. Sinful gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Out of a bad heart. To get into this message, I want to ask you, what come, what words come to your mind? Let's keep this appropriate because I want your feedback. What words come to your mind when I say the word alcohol? Drunk. Drunk. Bar. 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 Destruction. Addiction. Addiction. What? Anger. Hurtful. Hurtful. Abuse. Abuse jail. Somebody other than a police officer, please. <laughs> What's that? D-U-I. DUI children. All right. What comes to your mind when you hear the word cell phone? Texting. Texting. Habit. Have Have it. Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> Who said that? Oh, a teacher. Very good. Addicting? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Bible. Bible. Wasting time. Wasting time. Social, media. Social media. We got four to six of them saying that. Distraction. Distraction. Games. Games. All right. Family connections. <laughs> Family connections. Pictures comes to my mind. Think of that. Um, how many would agree... That on the surface, alcohol incites more sinful images in our mind than cell phones. On the surface. I'll tell you it did from your feedback. The words were a lot more severe to define alcohol than cell phones. Yet cell phones are doing as much damage to our minds, our hearts, our marriages, our churches, and our world as alcohol is doing. From pornography, to social media, to texting and driving. I mean, cell phones are a great technology. But don't we tend to underrate the great wickedness that we are tempted with through cell phones as compared to how we normally think of the dangers and wickedness associated with drunkenness? Don't you agree? I, I say all that. say I'm not talking about cell phones or alcohol tonight. But I say all that to say this gossip is sinful through two means speaking and listening yet we tend to put the wicked and sinful label on the speaking part of gossip that's what gets all of our emphasis but we're going to learn tonight that listening to gossip is equally as sinful and wicked and dangerous as speaking gossip look at proverbs seventeen four. it's on your handout Be on the screen. A wicked doer giveth heed to false lips. And a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. It's a descriptive verse. See, it's not only the way we use our mouth that makes us guilty of gossip. It's also the way we use our ears. Solomon says that it's just as wicked. He used the word wicked under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Used the word wicked to describe someone... Who use their ears to listen to bad news behind somebody's back. And he says it's as wicked to do that as it is to use your mouth to bear news behind somebody's back. Bear bad news. So let's be honest. We don't normally think of listening to gossip as something in the wicked category. Not good? Sure. Wicked? No. We feel more guilty when we speak gossip normally than when we listen to gossip. Because for some reason, it doesn't feel as bad to go along with the conversation so long as we're not leading the conversation. Yet Solomon says, watch, we are a wicked doer. When we listen to somebody else bear bad news behind somebody's back out of a bad heart. Get that, a wicked, what's the next word? Doer. Doer. Listening to gossip feels more like a passive part of the conversation. That's why it feels okay. It doesn't feel like we're doing anything at all, let alone doing something wicked. But when you think about it, listening to gossip is doing something. When we listen to gossip, here's what we're doing. We're perpetuating sin. We're allowing lies to be repeated. Or we're allowing discord to be sown. Or we're allowing toxic complaining to sour an environment. Or we're we're allowing somebody to avoid going to the source, which is most biblical. Or we're allowing criticism and negativity to gain traction. When we listen to gossip, we are doing something. In fact, I would say this. When we listen to gossip, we become another link in the chain of sinful communication. And the longer the chain gets, the stronger the gossip becomes and the more division and hurt the gossip can cause. The point is that we need to realize the wickedness of both speaking gossip and listening to it as well. And we need to make sure that we are never a willing participant in gossip by way of listening. That we are never one of those little links in the chain. Of sinful communication, even if that communication might be true. Right? So, then what are some strategies we can utilize to to break these habits of sinful listening? How can we become a more mature, godly listener? Well, I'm going to give you four practical ways to fight evil listening. Here's the first pray and weigh. Pray and weigh. I know those are two things, but they go so hand in hand that they've got to be one category. Pray and weigh. Now, I wish I could offer you kind of a simple formula for escaping gossip, like like give you a one-size-fits-all approach that you could apply to every situation where gossip is present. But gossip is messier than that. Our flesh is so creative, uh, the devil, our enemy, is so crafty. That we're going to have to often employ different strategies for different situations when it comes to gossip. So there's not one gossip scenario. There's hundreds and maybe thousands. That means when the conversation begins to slide into sinful gossip, and that happens often, or when we have a feeling that it might get there, we're going to need the wisdom and discernment necessary to know how to respond to that unique shade of gossip. That's where prayer comes in. We're promising James 1, if you lack wisdom, ask God. That's why our first strategy in in, in listening uh, in a sanctified way is that we utilize prayer. Now, now when it comes to utilizing this idea of prayer personally, you might not know this, but but this is is happening when often I'm talking to folks in our church, especially people that need help. I'm having like real-time conversation with God. You might not know that because I'm not going to get on my knees and pray and pray out loud. But literally, when when we're in mid-conversation, in my heart, I'm saying, God, I have no idea what to say next. I have no idea how to answer this question. I have no idea how to solve this problem. I I can't even think of a verse right now. I need something from you. I need wisdom right now. And, And that's not something the pastors just need to learn. You need to learn how to do that. When that conversation at work or at church or over texting starts to go down kind of a gossipy path, you need to stop and pray, Lord, give me discernment. Help me to know what to do, how to wiggle my way out of this, how to approach this and respond to this. We we should have an inner dialogue going on with the Lord all the time. Right? The Bible says this, pray without ceasing. This means that our hearts should be on speakerphone with the Lord. Dial him up in the morning and don't hang up all day. See, I love quiet times where I plan to pray every morning and I love that time with me and the Lord. But spontaneous, spontaneous, unplanned prayers are as necessary as your planned prayers are. You've got to be in tune with God. You dial him up and you just leave him on the line all day long, especially in those situations When you think you might be getting into a conversation that is sinful, you got to get God on the line right away. Lord, help me here. Lord, help me here. And it might be that simple of a prayer. But God delights in answering those simple, spontaneous prayers for deliverance. He loves that. Those kind of emergency prayers, like God don't know what to say, help me. He loves giving you wisdom in those moments. Here's a great verse to pray to the Lord when you're trying to discern gossip. Pray this prayer. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. You could, you could reword that and say, I will set no wicked thing before my ears. Pray that before the Lord. Say, God, I hate the work of them that turn aside. I will not let this gossip cleave unto me. I will not let it wrap around my mind and wrap around my heart and wrap around my tongue to where I'll repeat it. I will not set it before my eyes or my ears. So that's prayer. But then after you pray, you weigh. And these go hand in hand. So we're going to listen for God's wisdom and answer, and then we're going to weigh carefully what we hear from Him. Proverbs says this The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. This is the, I guess, one of those Proverbs that is like a think before you speak proverb. The wicked person says whatever comes to their mind, the righteous person ponders. Weighs out what they're about to say. And the same thing goes with what we hear. So these are on your handout, some good methods to weighing out, uh, you know, whether or not you should, how you should respond to, to what you're hearing, especially if it's gossip. Ask yourself these questions. What really is going on here? God, help me discern what really is going on. What is their motive in talking to me about this? What is their spirit in this? What's their approach to this? What is the end game here? What is my relationship to the person talking? That affects the way you respond. You're weighing things out here. What is my relationship to the person being talked about? How serious is this gossip? Is it a lie? Is it true? Is it just a rumor? What effects might this story have on other people? Is this just a funny-ish type thing someone did that we like to laugh about or whatever and they really wouldn't mind? Or is this shameful? Is this bad news about somebody? Why is this story being told? What clues do I have for assessing the motives of the speaker? Look for those clues. weigh them out. Is this the focus of the conversation? Or are things going to just flow right on? Is this kind of a passing statement and I don't need to cause a scene? Or, Or do they keep lingering about this thing that in my spirit I'm uncomfortable with? Does this conversation fit the description of bearing bad news behind somebody's back out of a bad heart? So you pray and then you weigh in real time. Are you hearing me? In real time. Nobody taps on your door and says, you got 30 minutes for gossip today. Nobody texts you and says, can I tell you something like like really gossipy right now? I mean, if they do, then just take them out of your phone. That's weird. You don't get a warning that someone's about to bear bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. And by the way, sometimes we who do gossip, and I say we because all of us do that from time to time. Sometimes it just comes out naturally because it's in our heart. So there's no way we'll even know in five minutes that we're going to do it. Sometimes a conversation strikes and we give in temptation and then the listener gives in temptation. And now those, those links of a chain are formed. Right? So pray and weigh in real time. Number two, avoid. Avoid. Solomon tells us, Proverbs twenty nineteen. He that goeth about as a tellbearer revealeth secrets. Because of that, therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Don't go near a gossiper. That, that, that's, the, that's the bottom line interpretation of that verse. Don't go near a gossiper, avoid them. It reminds me of this. This little, I don't know if it's a poem or an article whatever. You've probably heard it called potholes. Day one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Day two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. But I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. Day three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open now. I know where I am. It's my fault. I'm getting out immediately. Day four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I'll walk around it. Day five, I'll walk down another street. (laughs) You get the idea? That's what Solomon is saying. When it comes to gossip, you're most wise to pick another street altogether. If you know someone is a gossip and they often pull you into it, don't even go in their neighborhood. This is what we call an avoidance principle. Here's what that might look like for us. Some of us need to avoid certain conversations with people. We know that. Or at least we need to learn how to leave them early enough that that we don't get into the, the sinful part of those conversations. Some of you probably need to quit watching TV if you primarily use it to watch the news or dig up dirt on cultural figures or the politicians you don't like. I mean, if it feeds your tendency to listen to gossip and then repeat it, you probably need to take a break from it. It could mean unfollowing or unfriending someone on Facebook if their content is constantly taking people down or or trolling or just posting negative takes. It might mean avoiding hanging out entirely with a person or a group of people because you know the conversation usually turns into criticism or negativity or gossip. Whatever the case, we often need to respond to gossip by avoiding it so it doesn't poison our soul. Now this gets tricky because sometimes we can't avoid a person who gossips. Let's be honest. Because of our relationship to them. There are coworkers you have to talk to. People serving with you in church that you can't realistically avoid. There's family that you have to interact with from time to time and sometimes very regularly. So in cases like this where you can't avoid the person, here's what you need to learn how to do. Avoid the topic. I know it's practical, but this is good. Avoid the topic. This is probably the sharpest point, I think, of the entire message tonight. And I put it on the screen. It's in your handout. Gossip is inevitable. When both the speaker and listener are all in. But when the listener redirects the conversation. Or shows no interest. Or even if absolutely necessary. Corrects the one gossiping. It often stops. Yeah, being a sanctified listener. Is the Holy Spirit's work. Because it is hard. In the middle of a conversation with someone you love. And you want them to love you back, it is hard to act uninterested. It's hard to walk away. And it's really almost feels impossible to correct them in that moment. This is an act of the Holy Spirit giving us this kind of courage and boldness and discernment, real time. Here's number three cover. Write that down. Cover. We're going to pray and way We're going to avoid. If we can avoid it all together, sometimes we can't. So, so here's another one we cover. Proverbs 17, 9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. What does it mean to cover sins biblically? To cover somebody's wrongs. Here's what it means. It literally means to draw a veil over an evil event. So those that do not need to see it never do. Boy, I want some of you to get this point. I think it'll really help. Draw a veil over an evil event. So those that do not need to see it, never do. If you're looking for a really good illustration of of covering versus gossiping, I think that happens in the first book of the Bible. Noah came out of the ark. If you remember in Genesis chapter 9. And when he came out of the ark, he praised God, it says. And he worshipped. But then you know what he did? He grew a vineyard. And he got drunk. And Genesis says in chapter 9 verse 21. He uncovered inside his tent. We don't know exactly what that means. But it's referring to some kind of improper behavior. Unfortunately one of Noah's sons. Saw it or or heard about it. Blabbed about it to his brothers. We don't know what that sounded like. But my guess is something like. Hey brothers come here. You'll never guess what our father's done. It was crazy. He was drunk. He was plastered. He started acting weird. And he did this and he did that. Come and see. But the Bible says the other two sons, chapter 9, verse 23, I'm quoting, took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Get that. Would it have been wrong for Noah's sons To see their father in his folly? Maybe. Maybe not. Regardless, two faithful sons went the extra mile to avoid seeing it. And they were clearly commended for doing so. They honored their father even when he was being dishonorable. They covered his offense. Such a good picture. We can do that for other people. I'm talking about covering over their shame so that their sin is not exposed to people or or places or things. It need not be. There's no joy. There should be no joy in making people sin public. There should be no sense of, of like weird satisfaction on the inside when somebody pulls the blanket out from Covering somebody's shame so everybody can see it. Even if you don't like the individual. Christians ought to be so full of, of 1 Corinthians 13 love, agape love, that we kind of walk around with an invisible blanket, so to speak, where we are looking for opportunities to cover the shame in people's life as a result of sin. Now you may be thinking, now hold on, Pastor Tyler. Are you talking about cover up? Are you saying we need to hide crimes or offenses? Or unrepentant sin in the church? Instead of resolving them, I would say absolutely not. There's a difference between covering sin, as taught to us in Proverbs, and covering up sin. Right? This is in your handout. Cover up fails to confront. I'm going to show you the difference. Cover up fails to confront, but covering confronts so so a good example of, of of a church covering up unbiblically is first corinthians chapter five go read it for yourself paul had to write to that church and rebuke them because there was known unrepentant fornication and drunkenness running rampant in the church of corinth and they were just letting people come and eat communion and, 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 and come to church and sing and services though. Nothing was going on. And Paul wrote to them and said, no, no, no. if they continue to unrepent, we're going to, we're going to work on church discipline. It was a very serious thing. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Matthew 18. We're talking about approaching a sinful brother one-on-one. That's covering. That's an act of covering. We're trying to get him to turn from his sin in a private way. Write this down. Cover up may keep secrets from authorities. But covering, if done biblically, doesn't shy away from reporting to the right government agencies. It honors them. Did you get that? So I don't be misunderstood. Romans 13 shows us the police and and social workers and investigators. They're all God appointed for our safety and for the sake of justice. And we dishonor God's process by covering up crimes and abuses. And God help our church to never do that. Somebody say amen. Wake up. Amen. God help our church to not do that. To be very vigilant about those kind of things. Here's the next one. Cover up avoids restoration while biblical covering pursues restoration. And then they just lay the offense to rest after forgiveness. So there's, there's the difference. How do we biblically cover though? What is that Look like Well, let me give you some good application. Don't pry into gory details that are none of your business. Right? That helps. If you've been asked to, to, to mediate a dispute, that's one thing. But, but sinful prying, listen church, it's not okay. Sometimes it's best to just not bring up something at all. Or to not ask any unnecessary questions. I think sometimes the most loving thing you can do for somebody is just be quiet. Here's another one. When you hear a lie, defend the person being talked about. We must remember that that some gossip we hear, I would say that most gossip we hear, is probably in some way not true. It's being embellished or exaggerated. Because it never comes from a good heart. And so when you know this, the best way to cover is to defend the innocent. Be brave. Be courageous. Love truth and righteousness enough to stand up to somebody that's lying. Amen? And there's nothing unchristian about that unless you, you know, pick up a chair and hit them with it or something. And say, stop lying. And then you're unchristian. But, but if, if you're just going to stand up for the truth, you need, a, you need to be in the habit of doing that. Now, if it may be true, you can listen well by... By offering a charitable perspective. So, so you might say, hey, brother so-and-so has been a bit rude lately. I get your complaint. I understand what you're saying. But did you know that he recently lost his job a couple weeks ago? Oh, he did? Right? When, when you know what's on somebody's plate, it's really hard to, to be too hard on them. Or if somebody's gossiping about the boss, you you could say, I know you think your boss has been difficult and unreasonable at work, but man, she's under a lot of pressure from her supervisor. She talked to me about it the other day. They're really pressing hard on her. Just try to stay. Oh, okay. See, charitable perspectives can totally change the trajectory of what was meant to be a gossiping conversation. See, nothing kills the momentum of gossip more than a positive, charitable perspective. You ever tried that? It gets awkward. Because when somebody wants you to jump on their bandwagon of negativity, and you actually give them an alternative perspective, they're like, oh, okay, look at the time. I better go. It weirds them out. Because they're expecting you to agree with them about the boss. They're expecting you to agree with them about the church. Expecting you to agree with them about your son's teacher. But when you offer them a charitable perspective, because you might know more than they do, or you just going to make up something more positive then that just kind of freaks them out. That's what I'm talking about. That's a practical way to not become a link in the chain. Just say something positive to somebody that's negative and they don't want to talk to you anymore. It's amazing how that works. It's amazing. If I've ever done that to you in the line, then you know. Stop being negative to me after church. I'm not in the mood for it. Come through the line and tell me how good God's been in your life. Don't tell me that the auditorium is too cold. I'll tell you, praise the Lord, we have money for air conditioners. And then all of a sudden they don't want to talk anymore. It gets weird, doesn't it? We talked about praying away, we talked about avoid, cover. Let's do one more and we're done. Go. Very simple. Go. Sometimes the best thing to do is go directly to the one being talked about. I know this is a novel idea today because we work around people, don't we? Thanks to social media. What we would type out about somebody without saying their name on social media, we would never go to a room, look them in the face, and with composure and humility say that to them. Social media has conditioned us to go around people to tell them what we want to tell them, but not go to people. Listen, if there's gossip that you've heard and it becomes something that you can't let go of personally, you need to find the person being addressed and just ask them about it. I love what author Diana Klein says in her book. She shares this story. Check this out. This is is amazing. She said, there was once a minister's wife who had a very effective way of stopping a person from slander or gossip in her presence. Whenever someone would say something unpleasant about someone else, she would get her hat and coat. What are you doing? Where are you going? The person would ask. The minister's wife would say this. I'm going to go visit the person you mentioned and ask if what was said was true. And people became very cautious about speaking unkindly about anyone in her presence. How about that? Yeah, Yeah, just get you a coat rack in your office. Put a coat on, and even if it's not cold outside. Just go put that coat on. Say, where are you going? I'm going to go talk to the person you just mentioned. I'm going to call them. Oh, well, don't do that. What am going to do? Well, don't tell them I told you. That's a good indication you shouldn't have been talking about it. Right? So here's the point. If you hear some gossip, don't be gullible. Don't jump on a bandwagon about somebody right away. I call it charitable interpretation. Interpret what somebody did or what said about somebody in the most charitable way possible. What what does that mean? Give them the benefit of the doubt until you know it's true. Especially if if that person's in your family. if, if, If that person's somebody you go to church with. Um, if that's somebody that, that, that you're a friend with, man, you don't want to, you don't want to hinder a relationship just because you heard something, you know, go the distance to see if it's, if it's true. If somebody's complaining about someone else, just, just tell them, Hey man, go talk to that person. Have you talked to that person about it? That's a brilliant, just a brilliant question that usually helps you not to listen and become a link in the chain. Just ask them, have you talked to that person yet? That's a good way to do it. Cause complainers usually they don't, they aren't into solutions. They aren't. R- right, Dr. Thrall? They don't, they, don't, they don't say, hey, can I talk to Dr. Thrall right now? I've got, I've got to, you know, they, they, I want to complain about his parking lot. They're going to complain about the, you know, the person at McDonald's. And, and they're not interested in a solution. They just want to complain about Dr. Thrall. They want to complain about something we did at church. They want to complain about something they're They just want to complain. If they, if they really wanted to make a difference, they, they, would, they would go to the person, Right? Who have the solution. So the best thing to do. To where you don't become a link in that chain. Is simply ask them. Have you talked to that person yet? Wife. Wife. Let me talk to you ma'am. If your husband's a complainer. Ask him that every time he complains. Seriously. Somehow we justify listening to gossip with our spouse. Because what well, we're supposed to be there for. Him. But if you sense that that gossip. Is just sinful complaint. Then ask your spouse. Husbands ask your wife. Wife ask your husband's. Have you talked to him yet? Well, I didn't want to. Okay. Have you talked to God about it yet? Oh, there you go. Right? Am I getting in your basement right now? Just, just ask that simple question. Ask that. We don't have to make our marriages a safe place for dumping complaints on each other. How is that healthy for a marriage? God's right there for you. Cast all your care upon him for he care for you. And I understand we got to talk some things out and we got to get wisdom and all of that. There's, there's a proper way to go about it. But man, when we're just getting this pattern in our marriage of using our spouse as kind of like this landfill. To dump all our complaints about everything in life that is wearing our spouse out. And then when they say something, all of a sudden you flip it on them. They become the, the suspect. You become the victim all of a sudden. Well, because they stand up to you one time. This ain't in my notes. This is just straight from the Spirit of God right here. This is, this is how we live. This is how it functions in my house. I'm telling you, sometimes she just has to tell me, have you talked to that person? No, and I wasn't planning on it. So. <laughs> right? We've got to do that for each other in our marriages, and we've got to accept it when, when that happens. All right, there it is. The way to fight against the sinful listening of gossip. Number one, we pray and we wait. We, we dial God up and we keep him on the line all day because we're going to anticipate that the devil's going to tempt us with a sinful conversation. And we say, God, give me wisdom in the moment. He answers emergency prayers with wisdom. And then when he gives us his wisdom, we begin to weigh out as they're talking. We begin to weigh out and, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us navigate how to respond. We avoid, right? We just take a different street if we have to. You, you, you take the wide turns around folks that you know you're most tempted to gossip around. You cover. You cover. You don't repeat things and and highlight the shame in people's lives. You don't pry for questions. You don't do that. And then you just go. You go to the person. You ask the person. You go seek the truth. Proverbs 26, 20. Let's close with this verse. Look at it. So practical. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. Man, you all know I don't like to camp. I think it's for the birds. I don't like to camp. That's that's why I've got a bed. That's why I spend a lot of money on a mattress. That's why I have air conditioning and I pay my bills. Um, That's why there's hotels. I've got a really good rewards program going on with holiday. That's why I I, I, boost my rewards and all that. I don't like sleeping on the ground or in the elements. And if you do, that's great. That's awesome. I don't. But I understand that. I have tried to light a fire or two. Not very good at it, but I've tried to light a fire or two. And I know you, you need something to keep the fire going. And the moment you stop adding to that fire, whether it's wood or grass or whatever you could find, lighter fluid, that's how I did it. Just spray the whole can. When it goes down, spray it again. See, that's my kind of camping. Tell my wife, go to Sam's Club, get me a six-pack of lighter fluid. I'll show Kevin how to light a fire. I'll go back to the hotel. You call me when you need another squirt. That's how I roll. Um, You you don't need to be lighter fluid to gossip. You need to be water to gossip. You need to be a blanket to gossip. Gossip comes to you, you, just throw some dirt on that fire and put it out and put it out when it's small. Have the courage to stop the conversation or change the conversation or act disinterested. That's a great tactic. Um, Or just be positive or ask a question that would convict them. Whatever. Um, But but we just got to realize that that listening to gossip, I think, is just as wicked as speaking it. And so let's make sure that we don't become a link in the chain to, to let those lies or... Or the unnecessary public truth to continue. Let's be the kind of Christian where we have a bucket of water in our hand. And when the fire of gossip comes our way, we know how to put it out without losing a relationship. We do it right and we do it humbly but boldly. And I think that'll help us. Amen? Amen Men and amen. Let's